Welcome to All Roads from Oberlin. I'm Julian Worth, a rising junior. I'm Maddie Henke, a very recent graduate. And I'm Patty Stubel, an 0809 Oberlin alum. The three main stages in anyone's life. Hello, everybody. It's me, Julian. I'm a producer on the show. You probably can't answer me from wherever you are, but how are you doing? Maybe you can check in with yourself, you know? Uh, check your temperature. Do you need a sweater? Maybe a window open? You gotta think about that stuff. Anyway, this episode is part of our Path series, where we've been talking one-on-one -on -one with alums about their lives, the paths that they've taken in them, and the things that they've learned. Today's episode is a conversation between my co-producer, Maddie Henke, and Lee Wilson, a 2008 grad. Lee talks a lot about moving through life without a plan, and from her story, it shows in a really cool way. But no spoilers. Here's Maddie and Lee. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Lee Wilson. I'm an Oberlin grad of 2008, originally from upstate New York. Oberlin was fantastic. I was a history major, played varsity soccer my first two years, and then I discovered that rugby existed and started playing that. And that's kind of my, my Oberlin story. History, rugby, it's great. On graduation day, did you have a plan of what was gonna come next? Yeah, that's funny. No, no, <laughs> no, no plan at all. It, I was more, I had a plan for the summer. My parents' graduation present to me was a plane ticket anywhere. I ended up fairly randomly picking the Philippines. So I was there for three months and that was world altering, life changing, eye opening, all of the fantastic things that it is supposed to be. And I'm still in contact with my family that I stayed with while I was there to this day. So that worked out. Then after that, it was, a, I had no idea. What did you do? <laughs> Real talk, I went home in the middle of winter after having this experience of a lifetime. And if you don't know winter in upstate New York, it's like negative 30. Like I just remember being like huddled in my snowsuit in the car and then like wearing my snowsuit to bed at like the Quality Inn or wherever it was that we were. And just like in complete shock that I was one back, two had no idea what I was doing and three it, were in the middle of winter again. So I got home and I was incredibly depressed because I had no idea what I was doing. And I was unemployed for a couple months while I was figuring that out. What I knew from Oberlin, what I knew from being abroad was I wanted to make the world a better place as much as possible. And that's something that Oberlin gave me the will for, but I didn't know where to direct that or how to direct that. And so I turned to AmeriCorps. So that winter I was applying for programs for the spring, didn't get into any of them. <laughs> I had been waitlisted for a program called City Year in Boston. And at the last minute, I was taken off the waitlists and was able to do that program. My, I love my parents, but being cooped up with my parents, yeah, that was, that was pretty tough. So uh, getting that lifeline totally. of uh, AmeriCorps job was pretty fantastic. Yeah. And how was it? What was that experience like? City Year was life-changing. That It was the opportunity to put wanting to make the world a better place into actual action. <laughs> so City Year focuses on keeping kids in school. Uh, we've uh, focused in at-risk schools, specifically working on attendance behavior and coursework initiative. It was supposed to be a year uh, full-time and turned into two years for me. 
And it did all of the things it's supposed to do for you. Like for me, I got to move to a brand new city. Boston's fantastic. Super kind of developed queer community, which was super important for me. And then I had this program where I got to work with a team who I'm still best friends with. They're going to be at my wedding. So that was that was a fantastic year. And I'm so glad that I got to do that. And they had the opportunity to do a second year with the program. And I got to work in the office. So instead of being at the schools every day um, in my specific classroom and the after school program, I love that. But I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. I knew that like I didn't want to be a teacher, even though BA in history, what am I going to do? Probably be a teacher. But <laughs> Right. What are the options? I don't don't know, but this, this doesn't feel right. One of the things I got to do was apply for a grant through city year. And I got to do uh, a sex ed trivia night Uh, because a lot of the programs looked what worked with middle and high school students, but a lot of our core members weren't educated about sex. And I was like, Oh, like, how are we going (laughs) to like, this stuff does come up. Like we're kind of like the buddies that they talk with that are, the adults and the role models. So, okay, I'm going to do this. So I ended up setting up um, a sexual health trivia night. Again, shout out to Oberlin for being like, okay, sex positive. Let's talk about things. Like, and I just found out that I really love facilitating and I really love training. So my second year with City Year, I got to be on the training team and we did an insane amount of work. We put together something like six weeks of training for 130 people plus like another 30 staff members. And this is like a lot of training for six weeks. Um, I developed my own workshop, which was addressing heterosexism and homophobia in schools. Because again, (laughs) very queer here and just wanted to educate, again, my fellow core members and being able to support the LGBTQ plus community, um, our students, because they didn't quite have the language to talk about it or support. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this. This sounds great. Sure. Why not? That's awesome. yeah, it was really cool. So yeah, so that was that was Cityer, and it was great. Yeah, it sounds it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you then go to grad school right after that? I did. Yes. So Ravi, my my mentor, boss, friend, did some work in higher ed, and he's like, you know, like you love training and like working with college age students so much in terms of training them. Like, why don't you just go into higher ed? So. I applied to a bunch of different programs. I was very lucky to get into Michigan State for a master's in student affairs administration. I got to work in the LGBTQ center. Um, I got to work on like the really cool, fun stuff that is not strictly academic. It's all of the things that help you see how that connects to the real world. So that was a lot of fun and it was an incredible program. But there were some similarities that I, w- I was seeing throughout like all of these experiences where... I felt like I was up against a system that was not going to change. Like I like like I felt like the privileged were going to stay privileged. It felt like there were these immovable systems that were in place. And so knowing all of that, I ended up moving to Washington DC where my girlfriend, then girlfriend, now fiance was starting a PhD program at Georgetown. And so I was like, you know what? I'm burned out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if I want to stay in this field. So I'm just going to, I'm going to go and be in DC for a bit. And so I did that. And what are you doing now? Nothing I ever thought I would be doing. <laughs> I took a chance and was just like, I'm going to be unemployed in DC because I'm miserable and I'm just going to be with Kate and I'm going to f- figure out what I'm going to do from there. So it was kind of a leap. 
So I ended up working for a startup, which was not what I thought it was going to be. The job was technically an education specialist. So yeah, education, but I was basically like, hey, you, please, can you do a webinar for us? No, we're not going to pay you. Yes, it's going to be like an hour and a half of your time. Can you do this? I'm like, what am yeah. I doing? It, got, it literally got to the point where I was covered in like full body hives. I was so stressed out. <laughs> like, this is just not what I want to be doing, but I guess I have to keep doing it because it paid the bills. I shopped at a grocery store regularly that's known for its Hawaiian theme and uh, fun and funky kind of atmosphere. And so I was shopping there and I'm like, you know what? These people look like they're happy. They look like they're having a really good time. I wonder what they pay. I wonder if I can even make ends meet doing this. And I looked, I'm like, oh, (laughs) like you can actually make a really good living doing this. I'm applying, done. Um, And so I ended up working this grocery store and I been there ever since and it's been the best thing ever that's fantastic (laughs) yeah it was so random I'm very glad that I did all of the nonprofit work that I did and I'm very glad that I got that insight and that opportunity because the grocery store is not actually about the groceries. The reason I keep working for the store, besides the extrinsic benefits, is the crew that we work with and what I get to do. And I have amazing conversations with folks like every day because we hire from like, this is their first job to their retired Navy officer and they just want some extra hours to this is the fourth job that they've tried and they finally have supportive bosses and like some structure and they're sticking around. It's just an incredible place to work and I get to help with mental health things. I get to help with, yesterday I was talking with someone who's a DACA recipient and was like super like stressed about whether their immigration forms are going to come through or not. And like, because the company is set up the way it is, I get to take those people like out for coffee and like listen to them and see what I can do to support them as an individual and also within the company. Like, do you need extra breaks throughout the day? Do you need to just be on register all the time so you can just talk to people all day and feel like you're Mm -hmm. connecting with them? So the things that are within my scope of power are like fairly limited, but the fact that like we get to treat people as people is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, I mean, I, it seems like it's kind of a common thread through a lot of the different positions you've held is the community you found yourself in eventually, even if it didn't start out that way. Um, do you have any yeah. tips for like how to build that community wherever students might end up or what to look for in finding a good community? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And you're absolutely right. The community is super important to me. Look for programs or jobs that give you ready-made community. Like going into city year, I knew that I was going to be working like with a team of 10 other people. I'm like, and like, again, rugby, soccer, like that's my wheelhouse. Great (laughs) team. Perfect. Where's the ball? Throw me in coach. Totally. (laughs) So, so one, look for, look for things that are going to provide that community. And two, like, don't be hard on yourself if that community doesn't come right away. It takes some effort to build it sometimes. Like when I first moved to Washington, D.C., like I was moving in with my girlfriend who 
had already been in DC for a year and was in grad school. So she already had her cohort of people that she was close with. And like, I knew no one. <laughs> and it was just, it was really tough for about a year or so. And then I ended up finding, it wasn't any one thing in particular. I wasn't like, oh, I joined the rock climbing club and now I've got my best friends for life. It wasn't like that. It was mm-hmm. kind of looking out and really working hard to make individual connections. So my best friend here was the wife of a person in Kate's grad program. So I had just happened to go to like a grad school social because at that point I was kind of like taking the socializing opportunities where I could find them I'm like I know they're your friends but please like I yeah. just I need to I need a beer with people or something so like it just it took a lot of legwork to be able to make the community that I have now that I'm incredibly grateful for so you spent time unemployed after coming back mm-hmm. from the Philippines and then again when you moved to DC was it easier the second time because you felt like like, were there skills you were able to take into it, or was it just like a whole nother Oh, that's a really good question. I think the first time was harder because that's when I was, like, the first time, like, coming back from the Philippines, like, I've got my, my BA, I'm supposed to be able to, like, know what to do next. I'm like, I have no clue. Like, that first unemployment stint, I'm like, I'm going to be with my parents for the rest of my life, and they're going to hate me, and I'm going to hate them but we're supposed to love each other. Oh my God, life is terrible. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Uh, that, that was that was tough. That was tough. So again, thank God for City Year for so many different reasons. Yeah, and then the second unemployment, thank God I was with the love of my life. I basically turned into like a perfect <laughs> 1950s housewife. I was like, babe, what time are you coming home? I will have, I will have your chicken parm on the table ready for you when you walk in, <laughs> like pouring your drink. How was your day, dear? Like, like that was that was my life for a couple months. And that was tough because I'm like, man, I've got a master's. Like, I went to school. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, but I don't. And I didn't. And mm-hmm. and that was okay. It turned out to be okay. Yeah. And I could very well see myself, like, being in my career for the rest of my life, like, perfectly happily. But... I wouldn't have gotten to that place if I didn't have those periods of like knowing how bad it can get. And also like having those periods of, yes, it was bad, but it was also introspective. So it kind of allowed me to parse through what was important for me at the time and what wasn't. Looking back Mm -hmm. on your whole path up to this point, is there something you feel like you learned or did really Uh, well? I think probably listening to the folks that were around me because like even if like City Air was wonderful, higher ed I had some problems with but like in either case like I had really good people that I was working with. We had the relationship where I could be open with them and they could give me like life guidance and I asked for that and I wanted it and I needed it. And most of those folks were my peers. Some of them were older mentors, but the point is I kind of took their advice and ran with it. And like, I didn't worry about whether or not that was the exact right, correct step. (laughs) The point was like, that is what I was going to do for the next six months to a year or two years or however long it was. And there was enough right about it for me to take the leap. So yeah, I think I think just 
listening to the people in my life, super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is so it is so nice to hear about how lucky you feel and how awesome the people have been. I think that feels like mm-hmm. things that I value yeah. and are very important, and it's so good to hear. <laughs> yeah, how but did I know that like six you. months post graduation? Hell no, I was you know in the middle of a snowstorm. Didn't know what was going to come next. <laughs> How's that for an allegory? metaphor, whatever. You're the writer. You tell me. This has been another episode of All Roads from Oberlin, an independent project produced by Patty Stubel, Maddie Hankey, and Julian Wirth. Lee Wilson is a big champ for coming on the show, and we cannot express our gratitude enough. Unless this, unless this is enough. I don't know. Maybe it is. If you're looking at this on your phone, you're probably seeing some cool graphic design. That's by Steven Menser. Thank you, Steven, because without that, I don't know that this would feel like a real podcast. Our iconic theme music appears courtesy of Piper Hill and Claudia Hinsdale. Thank you so much for listening, and have a good day.